0: to the end there's been a lot happening this week I'm going to sort of reference some things obviously but there's a question that comes up in this passage which I think is relevant for all of us today what sort of king is Jesus, what sort of king is he, what sort of leadership, what sort of kingdom, what sort of rule so this week I would imagine there were a lot of worried people thinking about Her Majesty's health. What will she attend? We're conscious that she had to pull out of perhaps the thing that, if we're to believe what is said, was perhaps most important to her, the Thanksgiving service at St Paul's Cathedral. Many people have spoken about her faith. And yet, events beyond her control meant she was unable to attend. And spare a thought for the Archbishop of Canterbury. Hoping to lead the service. He gets COVID. Events beyond his control. I wonder perhaps whether that improved the sermon somewhat. <laughs> Verse 28 of our passage says that Jesus went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. So the king is about to enter And he sends his disciples to find this young donkey, this colt, which has never been ridden. He gives them directions and they go to town. And verse 32 is very significant. Those who were sent went their way and found it just as he had said to them. Every detail. Christ knows. He sees. Even donkeys and donkey owners. The Lord's plan... Sorry, the Lord's life perfectly follows God's plan. The death, the resurrection, the donkey, the details. They're all in his control. Nothing is outside of his control. Now, does that alarm you? It should alarm you. Especially if you're not yet a believer. If you're not yet a Christian... Where are you hiding? Where are you hiding? I don't mean in this building. Where are you hiding? Where do you go to to avoid this king? Do you kind of hide in your, your good behaviour and your attendance at church and your, your, your outward conforming and not rocking the boat? Is that where you hide? Well, he can see donkeys and he knows all about them from a distance. Where are you going to hide then? Where do you think you're going to hide? Does it alarm you? Maybe it comforts you. I would suggest it should. If you're a believer, a real Christian, Jesus sees you where you are. He sees where your family or members are when they're away on holiday. He sees us now when we're on our own. He sees where everyone is who's not here today. That's a great comfort, isn't it? And then the Lord does something which um, kind of turns all our thinking on its head. Because it's very easy to be very comfortable with King Jesus in charge of everything. That's brilliant. We, we hear that time and time again. Verse 45. He we're told that he went into the temple, began to drive out those who bought and sold in it. And he deliberately, he, he, he took the time to make a whip not told in this passage but in other passages he deliberately and probably really rather well made a whip this was premeditated destruction of what was normally happening by King Jesus who's in charge of everything and who comforts us and looks after us this is not quite the same king is it? Well, clearly it is. He's coming to overturn your and my cosy expectations of the Jesus we think we all know. I mean, who knew that the Queen had marmalade sandwiches in her handbag? What a surprise. I don't think I've ever seen her smile so much. Have you? What a shock. Now, that's a light-hearted I think perhaps when you when you've been the queen that long, you just get fed up of being the same. Maybe she just thought, do you know what? I'll give him a bit of a shock. Jesus says to us, "So you know me, do you? Are you sure, or are you more comfortable with a kind of slightly moulded Jesus that fits more easily into?" your expectations of what he should do for you. Oh, yes, he's a king, we say. I know about kings. I know about Jesus. Well, stop and look again. Rather like the flag. Look again. See this king. And I hope we will be challenged. We will be comforted. We will perhaps be overturned in our thinking in some ways. Look, first of all okay I'm going to say the obvious our king rides on donkeys there it is in verse 35 to 40 they threw their cloaks on this colt and sat Jesus on it now at their royal wedding William and Kate rode in on a on a carriage didn't they they rode in state with these fine carriages horses, soldiers that's as it should be and I guess Harry and Meghan did the same didn't they And maybe the next king or prince or princess will have the same state wedding. But Jesus, the king of glory, the one who sees into your soul, the one who creates all things, he enters riding on a donkey. What's he doing? Well, he's fulfilling a prophecy that speaks of humiliation. So 500 years before these events... Zechariah in chapter nine of that book says this rejoice greatly O daughter of Jerusalem behold your king is coming to you right tell me about this king he this king is just and he brings salvation wow excellent he's lowly and riding on a a donkey what what sorry he's the king bringing salvation bringing justice and he's surely he's riding on a on a war horse No, he's riding on a donkey. Donkeys are for farmers and for poor people. But then, isn't all of the Lord's life one of humiliation and humbling? I mean, at his birth, as the angels cry, Glory to God, Jesus is in a feeding trough. During his life, people insulted him with, I think, a lovely insult friend of sinners. But he was mocked and ridiculed, rejected, hated, despised. So I guess the donkey is no great surprise, is it? No surprise when we read that the Son of Man didn't come to be served like a king, but to serve like a servant and give his life as a ransom for many. But praise God, he was willing to be humiliated. Before glory comes shame. Willing to ride a donkey. He enters Jerusalem knowing he's going to be betrayed and arrested. Insulted and crucified. He's hearing the praise of the people. And he knows that in a week's time many of them will shout death to him. The servant king. This is greatness. This is real greatness. We need this servant king. This is the only Jesus that can actually save you. You know, there are churches and and preachers who who preach just a victorious Jesus, just a positive Jesus, just a life affirming Jesus, just a Jesus that you can fit into your life and do what you like with. Just a Jesus who will bless you. You know, God loves you, has a wonderful plan for your life. It's all going to be sunshine in the garden. That's not the Jesus that can save you. That's the angel of light masquerading as the real Jesus. Maybe you think you need a powerful Jesus. I'll become a Christian if if Jesus can answer all my questions or solve all my problems or answer all my prayers. No, Jesus comes to die for you. To be lifted up as a shameful exhibit on a Roman cross because of your filthy sins. This Jesus is the Jesus that you need. He washes our feet he rides on a donkey. And as I think we'll see, he expects us to do the same. He commands you to wash one another's feet, to die to yourself, to take up your donkey, whatever that might be, to humble yourself. You know, every six months or so, when... Um, when we were, it's a long time ago, this, this thought, but uh, perhaps you get the same thing. Do you get free pens through the post, you know, you've the sort of, with, with your church logo on? and You could have a thousand of these with your, with your name on. We used to get them all the time. 100% satisfaction guarantee, says. Your purchase will be free of defects. Well, that's good. And made exactly to your specification. Wow. And it's just all of it's communicating this, this great idea that the consumer is king you can have whatever you want you can even have a pen with your church logo on it and it will be free from defects and made exactly to your specification in this consumer age customer is king you get what you want when you want in our democratic age we vote in theory for who we want and we can all demand our rights i even saw recently a poster that said hearing aids Colon, your rights I didn't know you had rights to hearing aids but apparently you do so King Jesus comes along and says you have no rights because I gave up my rights now life might be good in lots of ways but he says you cannot demand that if you find yourself saying, well, I think this, I feel this, I want this, I need this. Beware. Our king chose a different road. Love does not insist on getting its own way. That can work out in families, that can work out in churches, that can work out in marriages, that can work out at work. It's it's really greatness to know that you're right but not to open your mouth sometimes would you be prepared to follow a Jesus who blesses your life but not the Jesus who calls you to surrender to him the Jesus who says get on your donkey take up your cross die to yourself he rides donkeys that's not quite the same is it secondly look look again our king cries he cries verse 41 as he drew near he saw the city and he wept over it and who's he crying for well he's he's crying for the lost and the blind and he's he's weeping for his enemies for those who today shout hosanna but on friday crucify They wanted Jesus the freedom fighter, you see. They wanted to get rid of the Romans. They wanted that Jesus. But he gives them another Jesus. He gives them a weeping Jesus who dies on a Roman cross to save his people. And the people can't stomach a king like that. In the last few years, there's been a big drive um, for workplaces to be kind of more... Real, there's a good word, real. And you can bring your whole self to work. That's the drive. Bring your whole self to work. In other words, you can be the same person at work as you are at home. Uh, But I read an article this week that said, uh, you know, people are getting a bit tired of people bringing their real selves to work. and It might not be quite so good. In fact, often relationships seem to work out better when people kind of bring their work self to work and leave you know we, we can only take so much honesty can't we you know I'm, you know I'm, I'm really glad that you can share all your problems at work but are you actually doing anything there's a kind of balance isn't there well jesus here is kind of bringing his whole self do we like it i'm not sure we want a king who cries do we But Jesus weeps. Jesus weeps for his lost and blind enemies. How do powerful people normally treat their enemies? Uh, This last week I saw a Russian MP pleading with Mr Putin for the war to stop. And I read the comments under the YouTube video which said, goodbye Alexei, we probably won't see you again slava Ukraine why that's how powerful people treat their enemies isn't it is that how you treat those who disagree with you is that how I deal with them Jesus weeps he weeps for people destined for hell this is how we should see people who are opposed to us a few years from now After these events, Israel rebelled against Rome and Rome's revenge was terrible. AD 70, they destroyed Jerusalem, they destroyed the temple. All that's left are a few bricks, the Wailing Wall. Women, children, men, boys slaughtered. Jesus weeps for them. And that's just a shadow of a more terrible day. On the last day, when Jesus comes as judge... And people will cry out for the mountains to fall on them, to hide them from the wrath of the Lamb. Christ must deal with our sin and he will judge. Though the Bible tells us, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked should turn from their sins and live. And even in this chapter, Jesus has already warned us. If you just look back... um, Verses 11 to 27, this parable that's just come before is about the noble who went away to be made king, just like Caesar would do. And the citizen said, we don't want him as king, but he was made king. And what happens? Well, he rewards the faithful servants and he slays his enemies before him. But Jesus, Prince of Peace, weeps. If you're not a believer, do you know Jesus... Weeps for his enemies what does Jesus think of you maybe you think of him as powerful and king and scary but he's weeping for those who are not yet believers what does Jesus think of you what love does he have for you you're in danger Jesus weeps have you ever really known love like that the Lord Jesus came into our world to save us In New Zealand, every year there's a beach on which about 20 to 30 whales strand. get stranded. It happens every year, almost without fail. And the whales have to be humanely destroyed because they're just too big for the people to move them off the beach. And you can see it's heartbreaking. If only, if only, you know, if only we could you know, they sort of get lost and then they come back onto the beach but a strange thing happened in 2002 two whales were saved by a dolphin a dolphin swam around and kind of called to them and the people were able to just roll them on high tide and the whales followed the voice of the dolphin to freedom and safety saved by a creature who lived in the same world as them that watery world, Jesus' love brought him from heaven to become a human, remaining God, he becomes a man, he speaks your language, he lives your life, he dies our death. Why not save why not come to him and be saved? But if you are a believer, this surely defines. Compassion and love and relationships. We speak of love, but find it hard to love those who reject us. And that can be unbelievers outside the church. It can be believers in the church. It's sad to hear, isn't it? But so often, how often have we heard Christians speak in harsh, unlovely ways about sinners? Friends, how do you think and speak about Muslims or atheists or those whose sexual lifestyles are anti-Christian? How do you think about these people? How do you speak about these people? And how do you think and speak about your brothers and sisters who do not agree with you at the church members meeting? Our king cries. Maybe we should bring our whole self. To our churches What well, don't know maybe we need to bring our sanctified selves it's a challenge isn't it he cries and then he cleans he cleans um, I wonder how late the queen had to stay up polishing all the gold and silver for her jubilee banquet can you imagine there she is with the brasso at night wait oh something's not right is it Oh no, cleaning is for servants. But is that the sort of cleaning we mean? Verse 45. Ah, it says in this version, Jesus cleanses the temple. I know that's not inspired, but that's how it's known. He threw over the tables. He got out the whip. He drove them away. He said, you've turned this place into a den of thieves. You're all a bunch of crooks. Jesus wants pure worship from his believing people. So what's been going on here? Well, people had to bring animal sacrifices to worship the Lord as a a sign, as it were, to, to, to trust in this sacrifice and God's provision of a sacrifice so that they could be forgiven. The animal would die in their place so that they could be forgiven and draw near to God so there 's justice there 's holiness there 's righteousness, and there 's freedom and forgiveness and worship it 's all in this sacrificial system, which of course Jesus fulfills. but at this point, the sacrifice system is going on. You have to bring pure animals, you had to bring animals that were spotless and clean and not crippled or maimed or deformed, so there had to be quality control well what there's an opportunity for an entrepreneur, surely. Quality control. You could buy your animals from the temple. You could come to the temple and buy the animals, and you knew that they were kosher. But you also had to pay in temple money. They had their own money. So here's another opportunity. You need a exchange rate. You had to bring your ordinary money and exchange it for temple money and there's always a slice isn't there? someone's always got to take a slice and over time this has become a racket it's become a corrupt system the religious leaders were exploiting the faith of the people it was greed dressed as religion hypocrisy and Jesus has something to say about that. He said, I'm going to whip you. I'm going to throw your tables over. Get out. Jesus takes purity seriously. And worship is how we honour God all the time. It's not just our Sunday singing. Worship is giving our very selves to God all the time. Jesus wants a holy life at your kitchen sink or dishwasher, at your breakfast table, in the street. Jesus expects us to worship him and glorify him and honour him at work, to have a good reputation at work, just as much as in the church or in private. He cleans. He's come to clean us up. Oscar Wilde wrote... A story called *The Portrait of Dor- Dorian Gray*. It was about a man who made a deal with the devil. He would never age, but he his portrait would. So Dorian was handsome and ever youthful, vigorous and uh, attractive, but his portrait, which he kept hidden in the attic, grew steadily more hideous and evil and ugly as as his life became more corrupt. The picture was skeletal and aged and wrinkled and, and despicable. But on the outside, Dorian Gray looks clean and happy and healthy and lively and vigorous and smiley. Jesus, though, you see, says, I will not have Dorian Gray in my people the same on the inside as the outside that's the that's our long-term vision that's jesus's plan he's come to clean us up that's why he deals with us clean is being right with god from the inside out doesn't he say elsewhere woe to you scribes and pharisees you're like whitewashed tombs which look beautiful on the outside but are full of dead men's bones. It's like when you paint over the cracks. There's, there's, there's a gap behind the paint because there's a crack there that you hope the paint will fill it. We in, in our old house, all the houses in the street had a crack in the same place. It's a little bit worrying but, we, you know, When we bought the house, there wasn't a crack there. It had been freshly painted. That better not be us. So he cleans. He's come to clean us up. Isn't that wonderful? Don't you long to be cleaned up more and more? Isn't it wonderful to know that all our sins have been forgiven? That we're right with God, that he smiles on us, and now, as it were, he's getting to work. With, the, with, the, with phase two, making us like Jesus. That's the vision, that's the plan. That's what our king does. So, just to wrap things up. How does this all happen? I think verse 48 probably tells us, really. See, the enemies were unable to do anything. For all the people were very attentive to hear him. I suppose that's quite an accurate translation. Uh, Other versions have all the people hung on his words. That's perhaps a little bit more of a paraphrase. They hung on his words. They were very attentive to hear him. How do you get to know someone better? You just listen to them. Spend time with them. Listen to their voice. And as you get to know someone... You can tell a great deal about what they say just by the way they say things, can't you? Listen to his voice. How do you change? He's going to change you as you listen. I think we're often very, very quick at speaking. We like to tell other people how to live, we like to perhaps even tell ourselves how we think we should live. Listen, stop talking let his word fill your life hang on his every word if you want to listen to him and know him and find him you'll find him where he's speaking where is Christ speaking he's speaking in the scriptures in the word in the bible that takes time quiet time solitary time time alone but you'll find him when he speaks with his people too you're in the best place Christ speaks to us Where two or three gather. It's good to be here. Because Jesus is speaking. Not just through the preacher or through the Bible. But through the community. Let's pray that God keeps us to be as it were. A clean channel through which God can speak. If you're not a believer. You were made by him to know him. What a privilege. How sad it will be to turn down his invitation to come to him. Um, I heard of a chef recently. He's been a very successful chef for about 20 years, I think, now. But he has a fear of eating. He has a f- he's got some sort of strange fear- phobia about chewing. And so he doesn't eat almost anything except biscuits and cereal and toast. And yet, he's a very successful chef. What a tragedy. What a tragedy to be a successful chef and never to eat your own food. How sad it will be. You say, well, I, I was surrounded by people who loved Jesus. I heard about the wonderful Saviour. I lived my whole life amongst people who, who though they were, they were often terrible sinners, they loved Jesus and Jesus was clearly working in them. What a tragedy to think. I knew all that. Don't let that be you. But again, brothers and sisters, what a king. He comes, doesn't he, to unsettle us. He made us to ride on donkeys so that we might humble ourselves in every, every possible way so that he might get the glory and that others might prosper. He made us so that we might weep so that we might cry, so that we might understand what real compassion was for those who are opposing us, for those who are outside, for those who are fundamentally hostile to all that we think, to weep and pray. And of course, he came to clean us up. And so, if we have this hope, as John says, one day we'll be like him. So we purify ourselves just as Christ himself is pure that's the glorious hope what a king and what a hope we have so let's live as servants of this king and to him be